Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in uh, the magic kingdom of Orlando, Florida. Despite 100 points from Devin Booker over the weekend, the Suns were swept. Booker scored 32 in a 133-131 loss to the Pacers. Then turned around and had 44 points yesterday, but the Suns lost to Orlando 113-98. It was another fourth quarter meltdown, losing 31-13. Head coach Frank Vogel. Yeah, just uh, frustrating, you know, um, more turnovers. Uh, we didn't handle their, their uh, physicality, and obviously they uh, in a lot of position and um, you know the rest were letting play you know, physical brand of pressure basketball we didn't handle the kind of ball over seven times and we did get good looks we didn't knock him down you know so we'll continue to look at what we need to do uh, to be better in fourth yeah, Suns turned it over seven times in the fourth quarter. Magic turned it over seven times for the whole game. Suns back-to-back at Miami tonight. Tip-off 530. Coyotes gave up two goals in the last minute of play. They lose 3-1 to one in Carolina. But, of course, the head coach is still happy. I'm really proud of them. Really proud of the way we play, the way we battle, the way we, we defend, the way we give ourselves a chance to, to win that game. Well, good. I'm glad if he's proud. I don't know if he's proud that they took the road trip and lost it 15-6 to in three games. They now have the all-star break in the bye week. Next up, Vegas at home, not till February 8th. Devils swept in Oregon, losing to the Beavers 84-71. ASU was out-rebounded 47-26. Bobby Hurley, what's the problem? You know, we just didn't have that, that desperation and you know, that urgency about how we play. And listen, we can talk about all the will and determination all we want. And we got we got big shots. Well, you also got to play some defense and you got to rebound too. ASU is at home next up on Thursday against the Cardinal. Arizona bounced back nicely from their loss against Oregon State. They beat the Ducks 87-78. Caleb Love, 36 points on only 18 shots. And Tommy Lloyd, he looked great. We've been fighting, fighting, fighting to play better. It hasn't been coming easy for a while. You know, there have been some ups and downs, but it's part of it's part of the journey. So I'm, I'm really thankful our guys hung with it. I mean, I think this is a it's a good step forward for the, for this team this year. Up next, the Wildcats take on Cal in Tucson Thursday night. A nice win. Beat Texas Arlington on the road 67-61. Lopes return home on Thursday night against Seattle U. Grant Foster had 18 points, by the way, on Saturday. Seattle's the one team that's beaten the uh, Lopes in the conference. Well, that was fun. Perry High School's Brock Purdy is going to the Super Bowl. 49ers down 17 at halftime. They come back to win anyway. Purdy ran the ball five times for 48 yards. Coach Shanahan, how important was that? Uh, I thought it was the difference between winning and losing. Um, He made some big plays with his legs, um, getting out of the pocket, moving the chains in some first downs, getting some explosives. Uh, He competed his ass off today. and It wasn't easy for any of us, but uh, he kept grinding and uh, was unbelievable there in the second half. 
Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10. Andy Reid, what do you have to say? When it came time to put the hammer down, uh, they put the hammer down, which was which was important. The best part is we're not done. You know, we, we got another game. The Super Bowl's in f- at 4.30 in two weeks. And finally, meet, there we go, meet Monica Lasso. Poor Monica. She had this great Lake Tahoe vacation all set up. And then she got tired at the end of the day and didn't feel like skiing down the whole run. So the ski patrol showed her where the gondola was. She got in the gondola, started riding it down the hill. And two minutes later, the gondola stopped for the night. She had to spend the whole night in the gondola and saying that she lost her voice screaming for help and no one came to help her. The gondola started up again at seven the next morning and that's when she was found when she got taken to the bottom of the hill. She said she was cold, starving, dehydrated, and pissed off. (laughs) Other than that, she was doing fine. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, You can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh my goodness. The studios are really cool. There's just a couple catches. And I think the biggest catch is I'm not smart enough to get that stupid key fob thing to work. I sat outside for five minutes and had to call for help. What's going on? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises in the most great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merge. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. So if you are listening to Doug Franz Unplugged uh, on podcast form, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. Hopefully you don't have any idea 
anything has changed. But if you're watching on WTSM, it doesn't look like it, okay? This sounds kind of funny. Looking at my monitor right now, uh, my monitor is it's it's basically somewhere between Flagstaff and I, and I can so I I see me, and right now we got the microphone in the way, so we've got some adjustments to do. This is simply day one. I mean, this is totally day one. The move was crazy. Everybody was amazing in getting us to this point in a new building. So this is going to be really really cool. But it's funny because I feel like I'm a mile away from you on TV, and I feel like I'm in the dark. <laughs> and it looks and to me, it looks kind of entertaining but you should see what we're kind of thinking i don't know if it'll really happen but what we have planned back here is really really cool wow i didn't know you could do that suddenly uh the clock is gone oh look at that look at that there's a, they just switched on my monitors they put the clock on a different monitor put me on a different monitor now what's weird though and i'm not complaining i'm just laughing there's a line through my neck on the on the one monitor that was magical wasn't it yeah yeah it was cool how you switched it except for the line on my neck but that doesn't really yeah. bother me um so we have th- this gorgeous new space. We've moved to, we used to be at the 17 in Peoria. We've moved to Park Central, which is really cool. Now, I don't know how the neighbors are going to feel because I think they have a monopoly on the close to the door parking spots. And then we just railroaded them because they're not here at five in the morning. But there's no signs that say we couldn't park there. So we'll see if there's a parking war that comes up at some point. When everybody that shows up early for work realizes the spot they've been sitting in for years. And I'll be anxious to see what time that is. Yeah, it's not their spot anymore, Jeff Weir Productions. So yeah. they're going to have to... Uh, I got num- numero uno down there. You, you did. That? I saw that. I parked in numero uno of the of the second row. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that'll be a good decision later. You know, I'll get picky and choosy later and figure it out of where I want to go. But I got here today. I uh, got here at about 4.55, 4.58. You know, not nothing, nothing terrible. A little bit of an easier drive because you don't have to go as far north on, on the 17th. And I have this little key fob thing. And I'm supposed to wave it in front of the four lights. And it, nothing was happening. I mean, I sat there for five minutes doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. Nothing happened. So I called Jeff Weir Production. And Jeff Weir said, oh, you just take your key fob and you do this and you do this and you do this. I'm like, well, that's what I've been doing. So then I, I just kept doing it, and then suddenly something beeped. It liked me, and then I walked in. So then I finally uh, I get here. It may be childproof. I mean, listen, <laughs> as, as immature as I am, it could have been able to tell that. So I knew the problem was me, but I, uh, so I, I enter in pretty, pretty jacked up uh, about this. Uh, just really exciting because it just feels right uh, in here. We've got a lot of adjustments to do, but there's one thing that's going to be a very difficult transition. That for some reason, the building left this awesome desk, and Izzy has one just like mine. And, and by the way, when I say Izzy, here you see me here. Just over here is Izzy's studio. He, so you see, there's a, I'm in the corner of the room. Over here is Izzy's studio, and that's the corner. And then behind the camera is Steve's desk, where Steve and Dale will do the main event. So we're all in this nice open space. It's really cool in here. But this desk is awesome, and it was left here. So whenever you get something free, you got to use it, right? There's just one thing. There's har- there are very few things in the world I hate more than stools. I can't stand stools. The reason why I can't stand stools is I got a really bad back and stools always propel you forward. And it just so then you got to 
fight against the stool. So now I'm in this thing where you can't complain. You got to suck it up because there's no way I want to get rid of the desk. But I don't think they'll let me drop it down to a regular chair. And then you'll just see a head sticking up over the desk. But hey, I'll be comfortable. I'll look like a doofus. My hands up here. Hey, four minute offense. But it'll be it'll take some uh, getting used to. But man, is this place nice. It's uh, it's really, really fun. We got a lot of work to do here to uh, to get us up to where we were. But uh, I think you're going to see a lot of differences, too. For those of you that are watching here on WTSMTV.com. Um, let's see. Uh, how about that that woman on on the gondola? She was there all night long hovering above lake tahoe and of course a gondola they don't have heat during you know at night so she's at least i mean she at least had her ski clothes on but i would imagine those feel very wet and musty over time and she's up there from five o'clock until seven the next morning and she said she was too tired to ski down the slope so she wanted the ride down so if you're too tired to ski meaning you probably need to get something to eat and drink. Now you're not even eating or drinking for that time. I lost my voice screaming at some of the ski patrol people down below, and no one heard me. Do you hear lawsuit? Do, I mean, do you Can you imagine? This is how much money I spent on my vacation, and I spent the night on a gondola. I don't know if they've ever thought of like renting those out for the night. That sounds like a fun place to be. As long as they don't fall or anything. Uh, I have no idea about sound credits today. Jeff Weir Production, I will need your help. Bobby Hurley was Sun Devil Source. Tommy Lloyd was Wildcats.com. And Frank Vogel, we got from a couple different spots. Uh, where do you want to throw out uh, Frank Vogel to? Uh, Dwayne Rankin and TNT. Sounds good. Dwayne Rankin at TNT. Andy Reid, I believe, was Chiefs.com. Kansas City Chiefs, yep. Okay, and then I, I know Shanahan was 49ers.com. San Francisco 49ers, yep. And uh, Andre Turney was Coyotes PR department. Yes, sir. And then Harbaugh was probably Ravens.com or was that CBS.com? Oh, I don't know that one. Izzy, do you know that one? What's that? Uh, Harbaugh, was that Ravens.com? Yeah, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore okay. Ravens, yeah. I, th- I think that's it. I think we covered. Um, oh, Brock Purdy was 49er.com, too. Uh, there, I, I, anything on your mind, Jeff, here production? What, were you here all weekend? I was here all weekend. Yeah, everybody was here. What'd you do? Oh, man. What did we not do? Mm-hmm. Um, we did everything. We got the okay. studio set up. Uh, Steve McCollum was painting. Uh, everybody was doing something. I got uh, I got out of painting, luckily, from my beloved wife, who scheduled a luncheon for me. Um, I didn't really know if it was thrilling, but I, I, I was able to uh, get out of something because I didn't look up my calendar when I said, oh, yeah, I can do something, and then realized, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> but CBS the, was Baltimore Ravens, by the way. Oh, was okay, okay. But that, but that also means it just got put off until next weekend. But here's what's funny. The uh, CEO, Chris believes that the offices should all be painted the same color as the rest of the studios or the rest of the building here on the inside and he's picked out this lovely shade of orange to color the studios with, or the the walls with and i'm wondering what it's going to be like when he walks in one day 
and sees my office painted green because I have I have a simple rule in life. If I'm doing it, I'm choosing. And if I'm not doing it, I don't care what it is. Like, you'll never see me. Oh, fine. You painted it pink. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't reflect on me. But if I'm doing it, well, then I'm going to dress it up in hunter green like this shirt. I'll buy myself a bobcat fathead. And you'll know that you just walked into a locker room when you come in. It won't smell like it. But so it'll be funny to see that battle of whether I get ripped for not painting or whether I am completely supported in painting and totally anti what anybody wanted me to do. What's your uh, what's your opinion on that, Jeff? We're production. I was running around in here. I didn't. Oh, then <laughs> I don't have an opinion. Oh, good. Well, then I'll just say I'm right, even though nobody really knows. Uh, all right. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Usually Doug's Big One. It's almost always local. And I have some big time thoughts on ASU hoops. I just, I want to bash my head against the wall when it comes to the Suns fourth quarter problems and this so far, the two games on this road trip. So there's a lot of opinions locally. But the, the one thing I can't get over and I just don't understand is a national opinion, and I have to get it off my chest. And I, I hate ripping people that I know are smarter than I am. I know they're better at their job than I am. I, I, I'm not only better at their job than I am at my job, but they're certainly better at doing their job than I am at doing their job. But something happened yesterday that was just so ignorant, I, I can't comprehend how this mistake was made. And it's not, it was a bad mistake leading into the game. But it wasn't nearly as dumb as during the game. And that is the decision of the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best rushing teams in modern-day football. And when I say modern-day football, of course, if we're going, you know, Cleveland Browns with Jim Brown, if we're going the 72 Dolphins with Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, you know, when teams practice three yards in a cloud of dust, I'm not comparing it to some of those rushing teams. No way. Vince Lombardi with Forrest Gregg at guard and some of the, I mean, no way am I comparing it. But when we look at modern football, when there's been a massive loss of the running game, Then you look at the Baltimore Ravens and you say, that is an incredible rushing team. And then they go into this game with a game plan that said, and I'm, I'm assuming this is their game plan, the Chiefs secondary is not very good. Let's take advantage of the Chiefs secondary. And they kept throwing the ball and kept trying to have all of these seven-step drops, which is Lamar Jack, which is the quarterback, dropping back basically as far as you're supposed to go. So on a seven-step drop, it's read the defense, find the problem, find who's open, get rid of the ball, but knowing that it's going to be difficult because the routes take a little bit longer. And Lamar Jackson was under pressure a lot. And I don't blame the offensive line. It became clear that the the front seven of the Chiefs did not have to respect the run. And that's a bad personnel decision to begin with. Somehow you decided the running attack, which was legendary and got you to a home game in the AFC Championship game. You now decide going into the game, we're going to abandon the run. I don't think that's very smart. 
but at least if you're a professional and you're good at your job and you have evaluated the chief secondary, you've evaluated your wide receivers, you totally believe that this is a mismatch like no other. You can't be afraid to exploit it. You got to try it. Okay. But at what point halfway through the first quarter do you not realize this isn't working at what point in the second quarter do you realize this isn't working and this game was never out of hand for baltimore never out of hand now for the most part it felt like for a long stretch it was a two possession game but that's not out of hand when you have that good of a rushing attack and then john harbaugh what a gutless answer this is. I realize he's upset. Maybe he's even upset at himself for the ridiculous decisions that were made. But if you listen quick, because this is going to go by in 14 seconds. A member of the media asked John Harbaugh, not 14, four seconds. A member of the uh, media asked John Harbaugh, you only had 16 rushing attempts. I know that's not like you. How come? It was kind of that kind of a game, I'd say. You know, that's the way it worked out, the game, kind of the way the game went. That's how the game went? That's – wait, wait, what? Well, I would just say that's, how, that's kind of how it worked out. That's how the game went. John, I'm going to assume you know this. I'm going to assume this. But you and your offensive coordinator – actually have a lot of control on when you run the football like it's not like you radio in the play the quarterback tells the team the play then you run the ball so unexplained to me well how does that that's how the game went that's not how it can only go that way if somebody's an ignorant fool somebody sat there all week long and game planned and said we are so much better than their secondary we're gonna have seven step drops and throw deep a lot then some or somebody sat there and never adjusted never realized this game plan is flawed we've got to do something else or three you were calling run plays and Lamar Jackson was sabotaging the entire game plan and checked out of run plays and kept moving into pass plays, and nobody said, Lamar, stop doing that. Run the ball. I mean, again, I'm so mad at ASU basketball right now. I'm so frustrated with the Suns' fourth quarter. But this, this was... This was the worst decision I saw all weekend. I actually liked the Lions going forward on the fourth downs. Didn't have a problem with it. Reynolds dropped one, and the other one wasn't a great pass. But the play calls were okay. The decisions to do it when that's how you got to the NFC Championship game, playing an aggressive style, okay, those are all fair. Those are all legit. It worked. There are so many things that other people think were controversies over the weekend. This is just run the ball. You are the Baltimore Ravens. That's what you do. You're at home. That's what you do. And running the ball keeps Patrick Mahomes off the field. Because when you run the football, guess what happens? It eats clock. 
it doesn't stop the clock with incomplete passes all the time. So now the, the clock keeps going. You've got the ball. Mahomes is on the sideline. Everything to win the AFC championship game is based on the Ravens running the ball like the Ravens. Now, if the Ravens would have run the ball consistently poorly, like they keep trying to run, keep trying to run, yes, I would have ripped them for not changing that. You get into the third quarter at some point, and it's clear that they're averaging 2.2 yards a carry. We'd be saying, wow, great job, Chiefs, at stopping the run. Ravens, you have to change. You have to find a way to do something different. Great job, Chiefs. Now, how can you adjust and win in a way that's out of your comfort zone? That's a different conversation than the coaches stopping the running game. John Harbaugh stopped the running game. Lamar Jackson stopped the running game. The Ravens consciously made the decision, we're going to come into a game and take away our own greatest strength. Why? It's either to show that you can win a different way, which, oh my gosh, what an idiot you are if you're actually that egotistical, or two, you heavily and terribly poorly over-evaluated your matchup of receivers versus their secondary and were never smart enough to change. We're never smart enough to realize we were wrong this week. Let's now go back and do it this way. The Ravens totally deserved that loss, 100%. And it's almost comical because just as you heard John Harbaugh, that's one of those, don't question us. We know we're going to, that's just how the game worked out. That's just how the game worked out. You're in charge of it. You're the head coach. At any moment, you say, guys, let's run the ball. At any moment. And somehow you didn't do it. That's painful. That's an embarrassment right there for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they lost. I don't have any beef with the Ravens. Um, I, you know, I hated the Ravens when Art Modell moved them. I was never a Browns fan, but I thought that was such a trash move by Art Modell. I always rooted against them while Art Modell owned them. But once he sold them, I, didn't, I don't care. I don't have a positive or a negative feeling about the Ravens. But after seeing that level of ignorance – I am so glad the Chiefs won. I'm a little bit just, you know, to be full disclosure here, I'm kind of a bandwagon Chiefs fan. And what I mean by that is I never cared about the Chiefs growing up, lived there for three years, and absolutely fell in love with the passion of the fan base. And I think Kansas City is the most underrated city in America. And I do really like the professionalism of Pat Mahomes. I like the team. I like Andy Reid. I have a lot of respect for him. So I I do really like the Chiefs. But I don't want to say I'm a Chiefs fan because I feel like that's unfair to real Chiefs fans because they're so hardcore that I, I don't deserve the opportunity to say that. So I'm thrilled for the Chiefs, happy for them. But, oh, my gosh, what such trash. Speaking of the Chiefs, with give, all that said, oh yeah, go ahead. I'm so surprised at how they just get there every single year. Somehow they just find themselves in the big game. Yeah, especially with like they're even they've been underdogs a lot this year. And mm-hmm. here's what's funny: they're underdogs again in the Super Bowl. Forty ers are favored right now by two and a half. And here's what I don't understand about it: if the Chiefs are catching passes, why are they not the best team in football? 
And in the postseason, they don't have the drops like they've been having. So now that they're catching the ball, they look really good and fantastic. And number one, when you say, you know, how do they fight? Listen, when you've got a quarterback, you've got everything. That I mean, what Patrick Mahomes does and is doing is almost the stuff of legend. When you've already got Tom Brady setting the bar, okay, that's the stuff of legend. There's that I don't want to compare it as much as we compliment Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about seven rings with Tom Brady. Okay, let's let's calm down. Seven rings, but. What's amazing is there's one thing that is similar with Brady and Mahomes. Tom Brady rarely had elite receivers. Rarely. Of course, he had a little bit of a spell with Randy Moss, but he had a bunch of good players, but never, very rarely did he have somebody that was an elite player. Yet he was so good as a quarterback, you just plug different people in, and with his accuracy and his knowledge of the game, he made everybody around him great. Now, I think Gronk would have been, I, I think it's fair to say Gronk would have been a Hall of Famer anywhere. I, I do think that I might be wrong, but I do think he would have been a Hall of Famer anywhere. But with Brady, okay, legend. Travis Kelsey, I, I don't know. I think Travis Kelsey, too, would have been maybe. You know, I really don't know with Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey now will more than likely be a Hall of Famer because of Pat Mahomes. And if he loses Travis Kelsey to retirement, that would be a major blow. But I thought losing Tyreek Hill would be such a big blow. They would they would struggle to recover. And Pat Mahomes just gets it done. What amazed me, and granted, I blame Harbaugh than more than I credit the defense. But I got to give. I thought the Chiefs' defense was fantastic. The way they pressured like crazy Lamar Jackson while not letting him run. I mean, Lamar still got away on some great plays, but it was not as devastating as it could have been. So the Chiefs defense gets a a ton of credit. Let's stay on the Chiefs, if you would, Jeff Weir Production. Let's play the two uh, Andy Reid quotes that we have, and then we'll get into Suns a little bit later. But um, let's start with... Uh, his just his opening statement he walked in talked a little bit about injuries I kind of cut that out and then here's his grand scheme of the entire game who was this I'm sorry I said uh, let's play with the Andy Reid let's do the two quotes of Andy Reid since we're talking Chiefs my hat goes off to uh, the right and the city here of Baltimore you've got a great football team Uh, we appreciate your hospitality it's a great environment to play in Um, And then how about the Chiefs? You know, I mean, what a great deal that was. Uh, I thought our guys played hard, aggressive football. Um, It always starts with the offensive and defensive line. They they came out, you know, with a purpose here and and played their hearts out. Uh, Pat Mahomes did a great job, again, uh, as he normally does. But starting the game off with 11 completions, straight completions, uh, that's something, something special. And then to manage the game, things that get kind of thrown by the side is him taking a sack there at the end. So um, as opposed to trying to fit the ball in, um, he, he took the sack, kept the clock running, good things happened there uh, at that particular time. So, And then our defense was outstanding. Uh, we were able to get a lead, and we were able to maintain that lead 
and and did it with a with great personality there. So as they've done uh, throughout the season. But my hat goes out to Spags, uh, to Nags, and, and to Tobe uh, for the jobs that they've done as coordinators, putting things together, and most of all keeping the hope up. Right when things weren't maybe going as well. MVS is a picture of that. So people coming down on him everywhere. He keeps it right there and does a great job with it. I, mean, I thought he was just phenomenal. That kid, um, he's taking a beating here, and he was able to just hang in there and, and battle. So, anyways, time's yours. When he says MVS, he's talking about the receiver, Valdez Scantling. And uh, here's the thing. By the way, I moved Jeff Fair Productions. Should I, should I move back a certain way, or am I all right? No, I'll fix it. Uh, well, I, I can move, and ow. And then not only move, but then there's also the <laughs> fact that I'm going to do that a lot. Because, you just go wherever you're comfortable. Oh, yeah? And then I'll, I'll adjust to you. Oh, uh, well, I'm also thinking about there might be times where I have to stand, too. So I, I don't know how that'll affect life. So we'll have to. T- We're learning, by the way. Uh, everybody listening to the podcast is like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> We're in the new studios. And you, if you remember those stupid oven commercials where that guy comes out in that cheesy apron, he goes, set it and forget it. You know, that, that's kind of what the camera is supposed to be. But then I keep moving around. Uh, as as I'm getting you, let's. What does it look like if I stand up? How's that look? Do you like that? Is that all right? All right. Well, then I'll I'll stand for a little while until uh, the next until the next break. That way I can kind of elongate the uh, the spinal column because there are uh, there are massive issues <laughs> right now. So then, um, boy, this is weird. Because all the years I've been in radio, you know, I'm sitting low and then now suddenly doing a show standing. I don't know what that'll do to uh, to the show. Um, I just realized I'm tied down by my uh, by my headphone cord. But Andy Reid just called a masterful game and what he was able to do in being able to move the linebackers and to be able to uh, go back and forth from run to pass and really confuse the defense. And then you just add to it the fact of how good they are if they're just simply catching passes. Just that simple is huge. Pat Mahomes uh, on the day, 30-39 for 241. He had one touchdown, no picks. The other element of the uh, of this game that was enormous were the penalties. Five to nothing is a huge stat in this game. Five. That's the number of penalties. uh, That's the number of first downs the Chiefs had by penalty and the number of first downs the Chiefs gave up by penalty was five to nothing. The Ravens were the second most penalized team in football. And this is something that it's interesting that no one wants to say this when you're the number one seed. John Harbaugh did a great job this year. The Ravens were a great team this year. But clearly, they have a massive discipline problem. I mean, that's the only way to look at it. You've got a major discipline problem when you are not able to control yourself penalty-wise. And then the penalties that they had. Man, the crowd was booing and getting all bent out of shape at some of the penalties. And they were 100% penalties. I don't like the rule that you can't hit the quarterback in the head because I kind of feel like as long as you're not trying to do it, but that's a smack to the face. That's a penalty. That's the definition of roughing the passer. When Kyle Van Noy runs up and headbutts somebody, it doesn't matter that he didn't mean to do it. That's a 15-yard penalty. 
And the crowd can boo all they want. Either Ravens fans are some of the dumbest fans in the game or they're just drunk and not paying attention. But those were 100% personal fouls. And then even though it was brilliant on first and five to commit a penalty of an offsides to make it first and 10 to give you a chance, if you didn't see it at the end of the game, really smart play to bump an offensive lineman, be able to get the offsides penalty because you got to feel like we can't stop you on first and five because once you get a first down, the game's over. It's not about yards. It's about stopping you from getting a first down. And it's too hard to stop them on first and five. But on first and ten, we can. So just commit the penalty. No time goes off the clock. Now we've got a first and ten. And instead of just touching somebody, they run over a guard. And now that's unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, unnecessary roughness, boom, another 15-yard penalty. And now you've really screwed things up. And that's – the Ravens did a lot of that in this game, a lot of dumb penalties. The Chiefs committed three penalties, but they were all offensive holds or things like that that with a guy like Patrick Mahomes you can almost overcome. So the total number of penalties for the Ravens, eight for 95 yards, not good, but not the biggest disaster. It was the untimeliness of the penalties. It was stupid penalties. I mean, Kyle Van Noy, I I think you reacted after the penalty like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I don't think you really meant to do it. But why do you have to be over there? Why do you need to get in Kelsey's face to where you're not Kelsey, I was somebody else, but why do you need to be in the face of a chief where you could end up headbutting somebody? That's on you. Why do you sm- why do you lift your arm and try to hit the quarterback up high when you know that's a penalty? Why do you run into a guard instead of just touching? All you have to do is touch him. Now you're off sides. You're in neutral zone violation. That's it. That's all you had to do. Or just kind of jog into him a little bit. Things like that. And then the Zay Flowers penalty was one of the biggest. If you didn't get a chance to see the AFC championship game, I love watching ignorant fools destroy themselves. Love it. It excites me to no end. Zay Flowers made a big-time catch down at the nine, then gets up, throws the guy the corner off of him, acting like he's upset because the other guy's just doing his job, then spins the football in front of him, which is actually an automatic taunting penalty if you're not doing it uh, in the end zone, then stands over him and flexes. I mean, any one of those three could have been a personal foul. He went for the triple header, made it a no doubt. Then, in that same drive, what would have been first and goal from the nine, they get backed up to the 25, still get the ball close to the end zone. Zay Flowers reaches for the end zone and gets punched out. Now a turnover. Zay Flowers is one of the major reasons why the Ravens lost. That is highly entertaining to me. Because when you flex, when you do that kind of business, when you're that ignorant, like we could argue, and I'm fine with the argument, if you think that has a place in the game, if you think it's good marketing, because young kids like that, I shouldn't say young kids, 20-year-old, even some 30-year-old guys, they like that show of emotion. And the old line, hey, if you don't like it, stop them. If that's your version of football, You're not dumb. You're not stupid. You're not wrong. 
go ahead. Do I like it? No, not really. I like, I don't mind emotion towards the crowd. If he would have ran around the crowd all excited, celebrated with his teammates, I'm okay with that. But when I don't like it when you stand over somebody just for them trying to do their job. But fine, you like it. I, I don't mind you saying, Doug, you're old, get off your lawn. Okay, that's fine. But here's the issue. It's against the rules. Like, you could argue with the NFL. Your argument is not with the referees. Your argument is not with the Chiefs. Okay, it doesn't matter. Zay Flowers was that stupid and that selfish. It's only on him when every single player in the game knows that's the rule. And you're too selfish, too emotional to control yourself, or too stupid to stop yourself from doing it. You deserve every ounce of anger that you're getting now not the trolls that send you terrible okay that's their problem zay flowers doesn't deserve any of that but the weight of knowing you're a major reason why your team lost oh yeah he deserves that and how we're this late into the season and john harbaugh hasn't been able to control that by now i have no idea but then for him to be then guilty of the fumble, that is just to me such sweet justice, total sweet justice. Great conversation point if you think the NFL should allow that. Good discussion. Have a good debate about it. But it doesn't change the fact that's the rule now. And Zay Flowers was, the, was either too selfish or too stupid to avoid breaking it. Um, the big one of the biggest plays of the game that was probably the biggest play of the game was the punch out fumble and recovery by the Chiefs but Lamar Jackson had a fumble as well on backside pressure that Karloftis was able to recover but the other one from Andy Reid which is maybe the third biggest play was late in the game fourth down you get the first down you win and everybody's coming they knew that they were going to get cover zero that cover zero means man to man everywhere and if you're not covering somebody you're you're rushing everybody's coming and the quarterback knows since there's no risk of an interception by a safety coming over the top it's just a fight it's one-on-one can my receiver win the battle one-on-one? That's all that matters. And Patrick Mahomes just threw it up. MVS comes down with it. And Valdez Scantling basically ices the game with that clutch catch. And this is a funny question. Adam Teicher, longtime writer for the Kansas City Star, he moved over to ESPN, and he's been with ESPN.com for about, gosh, I would say maybe 12 years, something like that. His question is kind of entertaining, and that's why you'll hear people laugh when Andy Reid was asked, how hard was it to call a deep shot in that situation? Yeah, it, was, you know, it wasn't hard to call. I mean, just a couple words. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, um, it, it was zero blitz. We knew it was going to be zero blitz, and, uh, or at least had a good idea. I mean, you never really know, but, but we thought we knew. So, and it was, and it got MVS, you know, in a great position right there. Losing my voice here. Uh, got him in a great position uh, to make the play. So simply, how hard was it to call? Well, it wasn't hard. It's just a couple words. <laughs> that reminded me, do you ever remember Bruce Arians being asked about David Johnson getting 30 carries a game and whether he's worried about, you know, getting him tired with that many carries? And he said, oh, no, the ball's light. It's not very heavy. 
It kind of sounds like something JG would say. That's true, too. That's true, too. How hard was it to call that? It's not hard. It's just a couple words. <laughs> but it's a great call because it's exactly what you want to do against that coverage. There is courage behind it. Because if it doesn't work, the world who doesn't know football and thinks they do goes crazy. Why are you taking a deep shot when you only needed this many yards? Listen, the best opportunity to complete the pass is over the top of a cover zero. That's where to go. Now, you could argue don't throw deep when your receivers can't catch. Okay, that's that's a pretty good conversation point. But the Chiefs, they're different. They have been catching the football since about week 17, it seems like. Maybe week 16. The the problems aren't there as bad as they have been through most of the season. And now, again, Vegas doesn't believe in uh, in the Chiefs. And I'm kind of looking at them and saying, how often do we keep thinking the Chiefs that we saw in October are the Chiefs of January? Uh, I I like the Chiefs every step of the way. All right, coming up next. Um, I... Frank Vogel, you got to get a handle on this. You got to get a handle on this. The Suns have problems, and their number one problem is they don't want to admit they have problems. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. I'm back down, but I, oh my gosh, my back feels so much better. So uh, hopefully it's not creeping you out that I'm moving up and down all the time every time you come back in here on WTSMTV.com. I, w- I really want to get to Perry High School's Brock Purdy. We'll talk NFC Championship game in, in a little bit, but out of everything that happened this weekend, I, I mean, my rage is more sons and devils. But my strongest opinion, and that's why it was Doug's big one, is the ignorance of the Ravens, a little bit because of their game plan, but mostly because of the lack of ability to adjust. And whenever coaching costs you a Super Bowl, I, 
That to me is a bigger opinion. Now, if you're if you're tuning into Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, because you want local. Sorry that I waited almost an hour before I really dove in to to something local. But before I get moving, speaking of local, I want to make sure you know about two events that are coming up. Coming up Saturday at I'll be there at noon, but all day Saturday is the exciting uh, opening of a new location of Burrito Express, their seventh location, Tempe. It's going to be located on Kyrene, which is really far south Tempe. Really far south Tempe is where to go to, uh, to go to the new location of Kyrene. I'll be there sometime around noon on Saturday. If you're in the Unplugged Army, the only reason it's not a sanctioned event is because I found out about it a little late, and I would hate to call you out for not coming when you, didn't, you probably didn't have enough time to plan. So I want to be very sensitive and sympathetic to your own life. But please, figure out a way for you to get there if you can. That's Saturday the 3rd at noon is Burrito Express on Kyrene. Now, our sanctioned event, our next sanctioned event is coming up February 23rd. That is the last Friday of February. And we're going to be out at Civlik and Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com is still not totally up. Nice job, Jeff Weir Production. Put that up there. It's still not totally up yet and ready to go. So please stay stay tuned to that. Maybe even bookmark unplugged at whirlwind.com. And I, I'm thinking it'll be up by tomorrow. But um, Sweet Lou's had a lot going on and he hasn't been able to get that site updated. But that's going to be where you sign up to get yourself a tea time. Tea times are going to run from noon on. So feel free to put it on there that say, hey, you'd like an early tea time? So you can get home sooner or you can say, no, I want a later tea time so I can work half a day before I come over. If you don't have time to golf, please come to Civlik for lunch. I'll be eating lunch sometime. I'm actually going to eat a little breakfast there at around 1030 and then I'll go warm up and I'm going to tee off at around noon. And then if you can't make that, come over for happy hour or dinner, whether it means you stop by on your way home from work or whether you pick up the family and drive over whatever but fit us into your schedule but please as a member of the unplugged army find a way to get there on the 23rd this is what shows our power to other advertisers and i'm going to try to talk a friend who's a potential advertiser into stopping by that's one of those things where i cannot ask you enough or even challenge you enough as a member of the unplugged army as as a moment to say hey doug thanks for giving us all this free content for the last two and a half years if you could show up we pack civilic for happy hour and then i have a potential advertiser come walking in and saying oh my gosh this is the power of the unplugged army it would mean a ton to me so see if you can try to make it friday the 23rd i'll be there seriously from about 10 30 until 10 30 in the morning until about 6 30 uh, or 7 o'clock at night so please find a way to come over and join us i would it would mean a lot it would be great to see you let's get into sons 133 131 loser on friday booker had 62 points that gives it's an amazing stat he has the arena record in four different arenas now. 
and I can't remember the fourth. It's TD Garden in Boston, Footprint Center. Now it's whatever that field house is called. It was Conseco, then it was Bank Life, then it was Pay for uh, Indiana Field House, and now I, I admit I don't remember what it is. Fourth quarter is the first cut, by the way. Oh, thank Just you, a thank production you. Production on air, and then that's fine. I needed that, and then he has a fourth arena that I admit I don't remember which arena it was. Sorry, I can't remember. It might be whatever the Delta Center is now in Salt Lake City. I think that's the fourth. If you know, please tweet me at Unplugged Doug or send me a note for tomorrow's um, uh, Town Hall Tuesday. But I can't remember the fourth arena. And so you have that embarrassing loss in which they couldn't stop Obi Toppin in the second quarter and they couldn't stop him at the end of the game where Obi just lit him up for 23 points. He had 16 in the second quarter alone. So you've got that issue. Then on Sunday, they get blown out in the fourth quarter again. They lose 113 to 98. But here's the strange statistical analysis of the game. They shot fi- the Sun shot 56% from the field, but the pay- the uh, Magic were chasing them off the three-point line. So they only hit four three-pointers. Now, if they're this stat will show, I don't know why I circled it for you just now. This stat is it's almost embarrassing. And it shows you how big the problems are right now for the Suns. Assist to turnover ratio is a fantastic stat because it shows how much you're making the defense move by passing the ball with the amount of assists you have. It shows how well your players, your team shares the ball, how often they're going from good to great, meaning a good shot to a great shot. And it also shows how hard you have to work to score. That if you don't have a lot of assists, you're not working hard to get the ball. Sometimes that's a flawed analysis by me because if you're playing great defense, well, then defense can learn to fast breaks and sometimes there might not be an assist on a fast break, especially if it's obviously one-on-one. But assists are a great sign of how well you share the ball. Turnovers are a fantastic sign of focus. Low turnovers mean you had great focus in the game. You had a lot of player movement offensively, which created passing lanes. Those are the lessons you learn. So assist to turnover shows your selflessness versus selfishness, shows your laziness versus attitude and hustle. All of those things go into that one stat, all right? What's embarrassing is if you ever have more turnovers than assists in your assist-to-turnover ratio. So here you go. Suns, 19 assists, 22 turnovers. That means sheer embarrassment. 19 assists, 22 turnovers. We're more focused on ourselves than we're focused on moving the ball and player movement. Pacers, 30 assists. Seven turnovers. Now you understand why it doesn't matter that the Sun shot 56% from the field. They had to work so hard to get a shot, and so many possessions were wasted. 22 turnovers. That's 22 potential baskets that were the ball was given back to the Pacers. While the Pacers only turned it over seven times. The Suns turned it over seven times in the fourth quarter alone. They lost the fourth quarter 31-13. to 
when we talk about these supposed championship expectations for the Suns, it's I'm not going to make the mistake like I did with the Diamondbacks and consider the Diamondbacks dead and then they're National League champions. There's still plenty of time for the Suns to fix this. But Frank Vogel, don't be so happy with an eight-game winning streak when you six of the eight teams are below 500. Okay, now you're playing two teams that are above 500 and you get embarrassed by giving up 133 points in one game and turning the ball over 22 times in, in the other. And you only force seven turnovers from the magic. Devin Booker scores 106 points over the weekend and the Suns get swept. That should tell you something as great as Booker is. He single-handedly can't win the game. There's not enough ball movement. There's not enough player movement. There's not a point guard. You've got a problem. And are you going to be able to fix it? Are you going to be able to adjust? Here is Frank Vogel talking about another fourth-quarter embarrassment. It's just uh, frustrating, you know. Um... You know, more turnovers. Uh, we didn't handle their their uh, physicality. I mean, they obviously a bigger bigger team than us uh, in a lot of positions, and um, you know the refs were letting them play uh, physical brand of pressure basketball. We didn't handle. It. We turned the ball over seven times. When we did get good looks, we didn't knock them down. You know, so we'll continue to look at what we need to do uh, to be better in the fourth. I realize, Frank, you don't have to solve the fourth quarter for us in a press conference. But I, I, I've heard the same thing too often in about fourth quarters. Yeah, we're going to work on it. Yeah, we'll start trying. You know, you know we got to – no. I'm going to keep hammering this point. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, when they were teammates, used to always be asked, why are you so clutch in the fourth quarter? And they used to always say, we know exactly what we need to get to. Why don't the Suns know right now exactly what they need to get to? And it's also a case, I think, with Booker's elevated scoring in this weekend, there's a lot of people standing. And then if Booker gets double teamed, they're shocked. They don't know what to do. It doesn't matter that Booker's hot. That doesn't mean force the ball to him. If you've got to play, make the right play. For an example, Grayson Allen only had three three-point attempts yesterday. As good as Grayson Allen has been this year at shooting the three, why does he only have three three-point attempts? How is that a good thing? Is that, hey, run a play for him? I don't want to say Devin Booker shouldn't be shooting the ball because when you score 100 points, oh my gosh, light it up. You're hot. But at some point... We do need some ball movement, and it's clearly not there in a game when you have 19 assists and 22 turnovers. And now we just say, okay, we're going to work on it in the fourth quarter. I don't know whether it's substitutions. I don't know whether it's a chemistry issue. I don't know whether it's just relax. We, we need some time in the regular season to gel in the fourth quarter. But right now, Frank Vogel, to act like we're just going to work on it, that's no longer good enough. I'm okay with that answer in November. I'll deal with it in December. It's now January 29th. The All-Star break is in two weeks. And then it's after the All-Star break. The All-Star break does not happen at the midway point of the season. You usually have about 30 games left at the All-Star break. We're down to 30 games, and you still haven't figured out a team 
what to do for a team, what to do in the fourth quarter when you've got one Hall of Famer, one probable Hall of Famer, one really good star, and a guy that's been shooting lights out in Grayson Allen, and you can't figure out the fourth quarters yet? I mean, it's either it's either a you problem, Frank Vogel, or it's a player problem that they're not listening to you. I don't know which one it is, but no more excuses. Figure it out. Here is Frank Vogel talking about a, a, d- a different topic. Kevin Durant in this second game, he had 20 points in game one, but uh, game one of the weekend on Friday, but he only had 15 shots. He only had 12 shots yesterday. Why such a low total? Magic defense did a good job trying to take him out of it, um, but we have to you know, make sure we screen for him better, one, and, uh, and then get better looks. They, they try to stay home as much as possible in the pick and roll game, so um, that's why the three three point totals were low, and um, you know the ball wasn't really moving the way we wanted it to move. Again, credit them for getting into us and um, you know uh, handling the pick and roll without getting into rotations. He says they were really focused on taking away the three. That's why they only had four three-point attempts. And then that is some of Kevin Durant's shots, so that's why he only had 12. He didn't say it, but Booker shot a lot. When you're scoring 42 points, you know, you can kind of understand. But he went 17 of 26, so Booker was still reasonably efficient. It's you can't get Kevin Durant more than 12 shots when you turn the ball over 22 times. And then he said they were getting into us a lot. I kind of look at that at the problem of having the lack of a point guard, that you really struggled at moving the basketball. It's clear Devin Booker needs to be an off guard. Devin Booker's doing fine as the point guard, but he needs to be off the ball in order to have him be somebody else, be another option. Imagine trying to stop a legitimate point guard when you've got now the point guard has the options of giving the ball to Beal, Durant, and Book and also throwing it in to Nurkic. And then if you're going small and you've got Kevin Durant at the five, you've got Grayson Allen in there, and now there's another shooter to space the floor. You've got all of those options. When Booker's got it, he's scoring like this. It's like, all right, let's get let's force the ball out of Booker's hands. And then that leads to a bunch of turnovers. This is they're in denial if they don't think this is a problem. See what happens tonight. Suns are on the back end of a back-to-back. A lot of teams go through this back-to-back, the Miami-Orlando back-to-back. This year, it's Orlando to Miami. They take on the Heat tonight at 5.30, and we'll see if the Suns can do anything uh, other than embarrass themselves tonight because that's a, a major problem. All right, coming up next, I want to talk about something local that's now a national topic, and that is Perry's own Brock Purdy. We'll take a look at the NFC Championship game and a really interesting article in Pro Football Talk that was not intended to shine a light at all on the Arizona Cardinals, but I think it does. And then I also want to talk a little ASU U of A. Steve McCollum will come in and take a look at his digs and his studio, and then we'll uh, have Versus Vegas. The fire is still burning on Versus Vegas, by the way. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about... 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Watching us live today on WTSMTV.com. Uh, pretty exciting. Keep an eye on the changing set. Little by little, things are going to change around me, and it's it's really cool. It's really exciting to uh, to build this back up from where we were and uh, having having fun here in the new studios. Hopefully, hey, Jeff Hurd Production. How's everything going for you? Uh, it's going. Yeah, we're uh, kind of learning as we go and getting used to certain things and. It's good. Well, I, I think I think we're doing well better than anybody could have expected, don't you? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah. With uh with the way things are going. Let's do NFC Championship game first. That normally would not go ahead of ASU or U of A. It's not a local topic necessarily, but it is when Perry High School's own Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback. You know, it's funny. I was watching uh KU Kansas got upset at Iowa State uh Saturday. And in watching that game in College Hoop, the amount of talk that was happening about Brock Purdy, I was almost jealous of it. I was almost sitting there thinking, wait, Brock Purdy's from here. But of course, I think you know this, but in case you don't, he went to Iowa State because of how bad the ASU was at recruiting. Like, didn't even think Brock Purdy could play, didn't even need to recruit him, and now he's a Super Bowl quarterback and he embarrassed Arizona State by not recruiting him. So, it was just weird to hear these guys in Iowa talking about how happy they are for Brock Purdy because they consider him a Cyclone when clearly he is. But Brock Purdy, oh, I should probably not throw to anything right now while you're looking at me. Um, This is kind of funny. Every about every beautiful part of the program, I continue to move, and then Jeff Weir Production has to come running in, change the camera, and then go back and then get ready for me to to play something. I'll tell you what. Let me give him a second to get some of the Shanahan loaded up. Um, I want to tell you something that I, I read in Pro Football Talk that really made me start and think. So. The history of the Lions used to be the Portsmouth uh, Dragons, and they changed their name to the Portsmouth Spartans. And uh, Portsmouth, Ohio is this tiny little town on the Ohio River. But they used to actually have an NFL team. And I've actually done high school play-by-play in the very stadium that the Portsmouth Dragons, Portsmouth Spartans used to play in. It's that old, and it's still there. And just this cement ring, it's kind of like the L.A. Coliseum, just a big cement ring, about eight rows of bleachers all the way around, boom, football stadium. And then a guy bought them, I don't know who it was, moved them to Detroit, and then Henry Ford bought them, and they've been in the Ford family ever since in Detroit. Well, I don't know whether, I think it was Ford's granddaughter, I can't remember, but somebody in the family died. And then they were then put over into the daughter. And the daughter now uh, of the recent woman that died, not Henry Ford's daughter, has run the team since. And one of the first things she did is she hired Chris Spielman, 
longtime linebacker for the Detroit Lions to become the special assistant to the CEO. And according to Mike Florio, he walks around and repairs divots during practice. After practice, he'll help out the grounds crew. He has a film session every Tuesday. Guess with who? The business office. Every Tuesday, people don't have to focus on running the business of the Lions. And he explains football to them. And they watch film. So they understand what's going right and what's going wrong. That way, when these people encounter the Lions haters or people that are upset at the Lions or anything like that out in the real world, they then have the ammunition to say, well, actually, that's not what's happening. This is what was supposed to happen. One guy missed a block. One guy didn't make a play. You know, it's not this. It's not this. The standard reasons why people get mad at football teams. Here's Chris Spielman bringing the business side into the football side so they feel connected, so they feel like they're together in this journey, not ostracized to where, hey, you're not allowed to talk to the football people even when the football people walk by your desk. Don't talk to them. Hey, let's build a wall so therefore no one can talk to anybody as they walk down this hallway anymore. That's why. Then there's another thing. Uh, th- thank you, Jeff. And then another thing that he does is that he participates in the walkthroughs as a linebacker. So he'll play linebacker during walkthrough as a scout team linebacker. So he can not only help the scout team, but he knows exactly what is coming because he studied the film of the upcoming opponent and he helps give the offense a better look at what a certain linebacker might do. And basically, Chris Spielman has instilled into the entire team, players, equipment staff, uh, business office, whoever, grounds crew, there is no, no job too big that you can't handle and there's no job too small that you're above. How does that permeate itself to a team when it's all about one thing, winning? What can I do right now to help us win? If I alleviate something from my boss's schedule, does that create an environment where my boss is more creative if i sell something to one more sponsor out there in detroit what does that do that creates an opportunity for us to then go get a different player hire a new coach whatever what can i do to help out on special teams what can i watch one more 30 30 one more half hour of film because Chris Spielman has implemented that kind of chemistry into the room. And, of course, Chris Spielman was heavily in part of hiring Dan Campbell as head coach. And the whole time I'm reading that article about everything Chris Spielman does, I loved it when Chris Spielman used to do color for Fox. And he would always say this line about penalties or, or bad mistakes. He would say you're either coaching it or condoning it. If you're allowing it to happen, it's on your watch and your fault. And 
if they're doing it because you told them to do it. Well, then that's 100% your fault. Where is the accountability? So I think about all those things I just said. And then doesn't that make you think of the Arizona Cardinals? Here is an owner that the first thing she did is understand our family isn't very good at football. The Lions have been owned by the Ford family since, I believe, the 1940s. I believe. I'd have to look that up for sure to know that. And yet, they've gone to one championship game and lost it. They haven't been had a home playoff game since the 90s until this year. And they, ha- they had never been in a playoff game at all in this century, I believe is the stat. Maybe one this century. So the first thing she does, imagine how hard this is to admit. Our family owns a football team, and we're not good at owning football teams. So let me hire this guy. Let me hire this guy to help us win football games and get out of the way. Does anybody hear or feel a Cardinals reference coming on? Does anybody feel like the Bidwill family is good at football and they don't need to do that? Does anybody look at the embarrassment that the Fords have been in running a football team and one new owner, one new voice says, you know what, let's bring in somebody else who's good at football to run this thing and remove me from it. That's the first move. And then look at who they hired. And now look at the Arizona Cardinals. Does anybody see a day where Michael Bidwell says, you know what? I'm not good at this. I'm not good at owning a football team. I should allow somebody to become president of the team and let them run the team. And I need to get out of the way more. Or is their ego so all-consuming that they say, no, no, no. It's everybody else's fault why we haven't won. I know I can fix it. Keep in mind, if you don't know the stat, the Arizona Cardinals have lost more in Glendale, Arizona, since Michael Bidwell was able to build the stadium that's supposed to bring taxpayers a winning football team. They've lost more games than they did as the St. Louis Cardinals when they got run out of town. Hey, do you want a Chris Spielman type to take over? Or do you want to keep going down this path? Hopefully, Monty Ossenfort can grow in power and control, and maybe the Cardinals will be able to bounce back. I just thought that was really important to look at it from a Chris Spielman point of view and what he's brought to the team since he was brought on. Let's get to the game itself. Here is Kyle Shanahan, who walked out. and kind of It's kind of weird. The press conference began with him just walking around back and forth. Then he ran through the injuries, and then he started off of, okay, here's the game that really happened. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, no other choice. I mean, it was nice that we were starting out with the ball in the third, so it gave us some hope in that way. Um, and also, it being a 17-point game was encouraging because it looked like it should have been worse. Uh, that's definitely how it felt. That's how the numbers looked. Um, but we were only down 17, which uh, that's not too much. But you got to start playing a lot better in order for that not to be too much. And 
came out in the third quarter and um, we finished with a field goal. I definitely thought that wasn't uh, enough. But then I think our D stopped him on a fourth down the next time. Then we got a touchdown. Then I want to say the next drive was the turnover. And then just like that, it was just three three drives. And I think by the end of the third, it was a tie game. And then it was like, all right, it's first quarter again, but it's the fourth. Let's start. It did happen fast. If you didn't get a chance to see the NFC Championship game, Lions went right down, scored two touchdowns pretty quickly, ended the first half with a field goal. That was, though, I'm not going to say that was the turning point of the game, but I like what he just said there. Being down 17 was a little bit of a shock. It felt like it should have been more. Jared Goff had a wonderful season. And Jared Goff had a good first 25 minutes, but he missed an open receiver in the back of the end zone on that drive, that last half, the the end of the first half drive that resulted in a field goal. He missed out on a golden opportunity there and then kind of a rough play call near the end of the quarter, near the end of the half when they decided we're going to try to run it real quick. There were some poor decisions there, but that's you got to get a touchdown there and you end up losing a game by three points points it's easy to say aha but you kind of felt it right then and there with plenty of plays from inside the 10 yard line at the end of the half and they weren't able to get that so you have a feeling where we have stunk played one of our worst halves if you're the 49ers and we're only down by 17 then they go down and get a field goal and that's it but they're able to stop them, then get a turnover, and it was just an avalanche of 17 quick points to tie the game. And the Lions, I think, really started to choke and fell apart. Then there was the decisions on fourth and two and fourth and three to go for it. I think those were correct decisions. I totally believe those were the right decisions for the Lions. That's who they are as a team. And it's easy to say, up, oh, you missed out on points. I, I don't know. That Reynolds was open and he dropped the ball. The ball hit him in the hands. Not a great throw, but the ball hit him in the hands. You got to make that play. And then Reynolds had another drop that set up a fourth down on the next play, uh, on the next drive. So back to back fourth down conversions that didn't happen for a team that's used to converting those. And I don't think it was a play calling issue at all when receivers drop balls, especially with um, the second time when they wouldn't have even needed a fourth down. Here is Kyle Shanahan in which he's now discussing the message at halftime because of, of or I should say the message, the halftime adjustments, because he was asked what happened at halftime that you were able to then change things up to erase a 17-point deficit? We come up with eight plays to go over with the offense and how we're going to start it out and go with them. Uh, the defense goes and they all meet and they break up and they talk about all their stuff from positions. And um, then we just pulled them up before. And so, guys, it's... It's only 17 points. It's been a lot of football games where you're down 17 points or starting with the ball. Um, it's that's that's plenty of time to come back, plenty of points to come back. But regardless of any of that stuff, we're not going out like this. We got to be a lot more aggressive here in the second half and um, in everything we do, um, offensively, defensively, special teams. Um, I thought we switched up a little bit more, tightened up on some things um, with some pressure, some man coverage, and um, the guys didn't want today to be the last day. And we put ourselves in a hole, but they played like it in the second half, and we were able to get the ball to bounce the right way, and we made up for what we did in the first half. 
I think I think also Brock Purdy did settle down a little bit, and then I think he ran a lot more in the second half, and his legs were vital. Um, if you didn't hear it in the four minute offense. It was actually called by Kyle Shanahan. The difference in the game to him was Brock Purdy using his legs and realizing when the 49ers were going into man, they either – there was two t- things that they were doing. I mean, obviously there's man or zone. But they were playing man – and that was, and then had one spy on Purdy a lot. Well, a lot of times when a spy doesn't run, you have to remember a field is 53 yards wide. There's plenty of room on a football field to be able to fake somebody out. And Brock Purdy was really able at a distance to either get the spy caught in the trash, which means there's traffic around you and you got to run around that traffic. Or he was able to do a good job of having one stutter step and then race the linebacker, whoever it was spying on him, to the sideline and then pick up big chunks of of yards. Uh, The next question was simply, what was your message at halftime itself? Um, not a very good one. I was exhausted. Uh, it took for everyone so long to get in. Then it was really hard to talk because everyone had their family and kids in there. And I struggle to talk when I can't use all the words I want to use. Um, but it was my, my message. I was just so proud of the guys. I mean, these last two weeks. He just stopped it for me. I'm the one that called because I set that up terribly. I said, what was your message at halftime? And there's another question coming up th- about halftime. And I got that wrong. This was his message after the game. I didn't want you to think family was walking around <laughs> the locker room at halftime or anything like that. So this play the same one if you would, Jeff. We were production, but just to understand this. He's being asked, "What was your message, Coach, at the end of the game? What did you just say to the guys before you walked into the press conference?" Um, not a very good one. I was exhausted. Uh, it took for everyone so long to get in. Then it was really hard to talk because everyone had their family and kids in there. And I struggle to talk when I can't use all the words I want to use. Um, but it was my, my message. I was just so proud of the guys. I mean, these last two weeks, I mean, we, we've had some talented teams. Uh, we have, we do have a talented team right now. Um, but that just the character and the grit of the guys there. I mean, you could see it on their faces at halftime. I've seen I could see it on them all week. Our guys got a lot of love for each other. And um, every year when the season's over, it's always a new team the next year, regardless of how many times people return. I mean, how many people return. And our guys didn't want this to be the last day. And we had to really fight for it to make that happen. But we pulled it off and couldn't be more proud of the group. I am. Um... I thought that was funny with the, the players and him just saying I didn't have a great message for him afterwards, but he's really going to allow the 49ers to relax a lot and deal with tickets tomorrow. The friends of mine that I've had that have either played in a Super Bowl or who have traveled to a Super Bowl with a team say a lot of reasons why new teams don't win the Super Bowl unless it's new team versus new team is because all of the distractions building up to the Super Bowl and so many people come out of the woodwork. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? When can I meet you here? Hey, can we do this? And it's really a bombardment and they're not focused on the game. And then they get to the game and they're overhyped and they forget the keys. They don't know the lessons. And then, boom, they get they get manhandled. So that's going to be a huge thing. And the 49ers, having been there four years ago, that does help. But it certainly doesn't 
parlay into the experience the Chiefs have in the Super Bowl. All right, the last one from Coach Shanahan is just simply, what was your, what was the attitude of the guys at halftime? Was it sad? Was it focused? Was it, and the guy, whoever asked the question, gave all of these things, that, all these emotions that you could have at halftime. And then Kyle Shanahan just cut him off and said, we were... I think we were just pissed off. I think guys were extremely pissed. I mean, that, that first half wasn't just that we were down by 17. It was the way we were down. Um, they were kind of having their way in the run game. Um, we weren't getting much in our run game either. And we don't want to go out like that. We didn't know. How, I mean, we dug ourselves in a big hole. But I wasn't just talking about how to win this game. I was talking about how to start playing right. Uh, we got we too much respect for our team. And um, I just, that would have... That would have been a real rough way to end it if, if we couldn't play better with with our group. And that's why I was so proud of the guys. They didn't they didn't really care about anything except finding a way to win. And you could see it on their faces. You could see it at halftime. And you could see it in that third quarter. And you could see it all the way to the end of the game. Brock Purdy, he went 20 of 31, 267 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I actually thought... Um, the pick was a bad pick on him. He said during the uh, presser that he got hit while he threw and ended up throwing a duck. I'll obviously take his word for it. Didn't like the read, but hey, so what? Life goes on. He certainly bounced back. Debo, eight receptions, 89 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 90 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And then could have had a third rushing touchdown, but he took himself out because he was exhausted and landed on his head. And the 49ers still rushed it right in. They were able to get the touchdown. Brock, the, the, the highlight play of the game, though, is Brock Purdy throwing a deep ball that bounced off the defensive back's helmet and then Brandon Ayuk never stopped on the play, made the reception, ended up in the end zone, but he had been touched down as he stumbled down at the four-yard line. Here is Brock Purdy on how big that play was to kind of recharge the engines on the second drive of the second half following the second-half field goal. Yeah, I mean, obviously to have an explosive play like that um, was huge in that moment. We needed it to get down the field pretty quick, and, you know, we were still down, I think, two touchdowns. So um, in that moment, it was it was like, all right, here's a shot. Here's an opportunity for B.A. Um, it was a single high safety, you know, didn't get back or anything. He sort of stayed flat-footed. And, you know, in our offense, in that play, it's like, all right, you can, you know, expect your receiver to, to get on top and trust him. And so the corner did a good job with actually staying on top and, and then tipped it up. B.A. did a great job with – um, just tracking the ball all the way and, and then making a huge play for us, man. So he's a baller. Um, that was most clutch on his part. It was too long of an answer, so I didn't ask Jeff Weir Production or Izzy to cut this up. But later on, Brock Purdy was asked about the differences between great plays and bad plays and asked, hey, you know, this play ends. It should have been intercepted. And it's not, and it's so close between whether or not it's an interception or a touchdown or a great play, and yet, you know, how do you rectify that of you make that throw and it could have been your second interception? And a question like that is totally asked by a member of the media that doesn't understand the game. Because when you look at the con the, the route concept, the way the ball was being uh, or the way the play was being defensed, you're a quarterback, you drop back. 
and you're reading the safety and the safety is telling you where to go with the ball. And when that safety came down, boom, that means deep shot. It, it doesn't change. And Kyle Shannon even described it was against the Cardinals, he said, in which the Cardinals had a situation where the exact same play happened week five of the season. Safety came down. Brock Purdy's taught to put that up. Give the receiver a chance one-on-one. This is what scouting is. This is you saying, we have Brandon Ayuk. We believe he's better. So when we call this play, we're either going to throw it underneath the Kittle, throw it underneath to Debo Samuel, or we're going to take our deep shot and trust our receiver is going to make the play on the ball. So to a bad member, I should say bad, a member of the media that doesn't know the game, they look at it and say, oh, he was covered because there's a guy there. All right, that's still open in the NFL when you say my receiver is better than their corner. So the read says throw it and let Ayuk make a play. The truth is sometimes it happens that the other guy just makes a great play. And the cornerback in that situation put himself in a great spot to make a great play. He was fantastic. But what didn't he do? He didn't make the play. So even though you might argue it was by luck, Brandon Ayuk still won a 50-50 ball, which is what he was supposed to do. That's what the play is. And a lot of people go crazy and say, I think that's wrong. You shouldn't just throw it up there for a 50-50 shot. Guess what they did with Larry Fitzgerald through the first six years of his career? Larry Fitzgerald used to be one of the greatest alley-oop catchers in football history. They threw it up. He went to get it. It was later in his career when Todd Haley became the offensive coordinator that he sat Larry Fitzgerald down in the offseason and said, do you know you're a one-trick pony? This is what you can do. And he showed him clips of him jumping up in the air and catching the ball. And he then said, look at all this space behind you. Why don't you learn to be a better route runner so we can get you the ball in space and you can get yards after the catch. And then, of course, they had a quarterback of the amazing accuracy of Kurt Warner to take advantage of that. And for a little while, Larry was a speed player. But even as Larry slowed down, as long as he was catching accurate passes, there were yards after the catch. And then he was no... And and think about Larry's humbleness to be able to take that critique of being a one-trick pony. And, uh, and I like that, that this is, hey, Brandon Ayuk, go make your play. Um, he was asked about the attitude of the locker room in the halftime coming out in the second half, and Brock Purdy spun this to having nothing to do with his leadership. It had everything to do with everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's just the character, man. The the love, the brotherhood, it's real. You know, it's the NFL. I guess you could say it's a business, but, you know, guys care about each other in this locker room and, and what we've been through. And um, we got a core group of guys that have been here for the last couple of years and, and the standard and culture that they've built. Um, and then the guys that Kyle and John brings in, like everyone fits that mold. And, um, you know, it showed tonight in a huge moment. Like if you're down 17, you, you got to care about each other. And you got to love each other to, to get a comeback going. And so I think we showed that tonight, and I'm, I'm really proud of this group questions about him here's your leadership it's about everybody else even throwing the coach and the gm a bone saying it's the people that they bring in and then the last one i love this because i think you've listened or watched doug franz unplugged enough that i'm i never want to dump my religion on you but i'm not going to shy away from it and i love this last answer because the question was about him going from what they called 
quarterback out of nowhere to then being the guy and how that works out for him. So this is Brock Purdy being asked about his journey. Yeah, it's uh, like, honestly, I think it's just a testament to God and where he's taken me in life. Um, I've never been the biggest, the fastest, the strongest or any of that. Um, I feel like I've always sort of had to fight for what I get and uh, work for what I get. Um, but God's always given me an opportunity, whether that was in high school, college, and then obviously in the NFL. Getting drafted last, people, you know, overlook you and all that kind of stuff. And then all you need is an opportunity and when watching and see what he does. You know, I put my faith and trust in him, and he's gotten me where I'm at. So um, when I'm down 17 at half, honestly, I'm just, like, thinking, like, all right, God, you, you're taking me here. And um, win or lose, I'm going to glorify you. And and uh, that's my peace. That's the joy. That's the, the steadfastness. That's where I get it from, and that's the honest truth. So I, I leaned into that, and sure enough, we were able to come back. The reason why I loved that quote was for two reasons. Number one, I like anybody that acknowledges their strength, irrelevant of your religion or if you're not religious. But secondly, you might not like this, even if like you might be more religious than me and then you won't like that I'm saying this. I never like it when players say I'm giving the glory to God for the win. He helped me win this game. Well, they don't say it when they, like, did God help you lose then? I mean, if it's if God's the reason why you caught the ball, do you blame God for the reason why you dropped it? You know, it just doesn't work both ways. So I don't I don't believe at all God sits up there and roots, you know, go Niners, go Brock or anything like that. So he's saying I am with this journey win or lose. I like the separation there. So, of course, uh, I will never root for the 49ers. So I hope the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy throws for 400 yards. Root for Brock Purdy, but not the 49ers. Maybe, uh, maybe every player fumbles all over the place except Purdy. Stuff like that is what uh, I'm hoping for. Let's quickly uh, talk a little ASU because this is, this is getting to be an embarrassment of it's very simple. Don't recruit good rebounders. Allow bad three-point shooters to shoot like crazy. Don't play intense defense every second of the game. Just think you can turn it on and off and then lose. And that's what happened to ASU as they were a loser. If you could get me the Bobby Hurley, Jeff Weir production. They're a loser, 84-71. Never really felt like they were in this game. They only had nine assists, got out-rebounded 47-26. Here's head coach Bobby Hurley saying, after the loss to Oregon, I did not expect this. Shockingly for the Ghost Watchers. You know, it's on the line. I just said the coaches didn't do a good job of getting uh, getting us ready to play. I thought we were kind of a little large and a little flat, you know, early in the game and, and got uh, got behind by a significant margin. You can't uh, perform like that on the road. And this is a team that's coming off a, you know, a dramatic win and uh, feeling good about itself. So the last thing we needed to do was to let, you know, their confidence grow and, uh, you know, Oregon State has, has been very good at home this year. So, uh, you know, we, I, I knew it was going to be a hard game. This I, I expect I was prepared for anything to happen, but not to see us uh, not have the same fire and passion that, that I'm accustomed to seeing when we're, uh, when we're playing. I love that. For those of you driving right now or listening to the podcast, I realize the audio isn't great, but that shows you the embarrassment of the Pac-12 that they don't make road teams set up a nice press conference area with a microphone. That's one of those things that cheap conferences would do, and I understand that that's the Pac-12 to a T. But listen, I like at least he said, we did this. We as coaches didn't have them prepared. Coach, why wasn't there passion? 
could take Frankie's late three and Jemiah's late three out of the equation because the game has virtually been decided at that point. Like we were like one for 24 for the game. I mean, that's like insanely bad you know, shooting. So, I mean, we have to figure out how to put the ball in the basket. Really the only good thing that happened tonight was with Sean Phillips in the second half and uh, just able to get him extended minutes. And, uh, you know, I think he, those will be valuable for him as, as he continues to develop. The only thing that was that was good. He's got that right. And the last one from Bobby Hurley. Wow, you know, I kind of like this new version of Crosstalk because I can just look over at Steve and see when when he's uh, what he's ready or not. So let's cram it. Are, are you ready? <laughs> he's jumping in. So let me give Steve a second. Play the last one for open shots because this shows you Bobby Hurley. And I like listen. If you're going to lose, don't be a Frank Vogel. At least be upset about it. I thought that there were, there were open shots, a lot of open shots. That you know, sometimes you're open for a reason, but, you know, teams game plan to leave you open to shoot. But, you know, you're at this level and, and uh, you're open. You got to make people pay. You didn't, you didn't do it. You, know, you set a bad tone early in the game, just not making open threes, just kind of snowball. At least he acknowledged sometimes you're open because that's their game plan. Yes, Bobby. You should not have bad three-point shooters shooting three-pointers. Remember the last week or two weeks ago, you told us, you know, allow Gaffney to uh, quit getting on Gaffney for some of his shots. Well, guess what? Gaffney scored two points because he's out there shooting threes all the time. Get him inside. So uh, for me, this is hilarious right now. As I look across this vast room that we have right now, I can see the laptop of Steve McCollum. Then I see chin and mouth and a little bit of a nostril. And then I see monitor. So I all I so I all I see is a little bit of Steve, even though we're sitting right next to each other. It's kind of entertaining. Steve, how was your weekend? I, I heard you uh, dominated painting. Uh, it's my dude. Oh, good. A little known fact about me, yeah. Good. Yeah. Now, one thing. Oh, now I hear you just Which, fine. Okay, yeah. It, it took a second to uh, – but here's what's funny. Steve and I are in the same room, even though it doesn't look like it on yeah. the monitor. So I, I heard Steve talking in the room, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I didn't hear him in the headphones, and now I hear you in the headphones. You're letting all the magic out. Yeah. We're like CNN, right? Remember when CNN got caught when they were like, uh, we're here in different areas. And then they, they had the same car driving behind both sets, yeah. you know, and they were right next to each other. <laughs> no, I was just I, not going to comment. Man, is he uh, really doing me dirty here by going in extra close to me to make me look like I'm huge? <laughs> Part of Izzy's part gotta, of Izzy's plot. I, I got to go on a diet or something this morning. I, I, you know, I do admit weekend. I look smaller than I really am because I've, I've yeah. gotten large and somehow this camera shot <laughs> helps me out uh, quite a bit, quite a bit. Okay, I can't imagine on a weekend like this with a son's fourth quarter with ASU still being ASU yeah. with uh, the. That's to me the Ravens were my big beef. I, there's so many things. What's your number one thing you're starting off with on the main event? Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, man, the Lions, dude. That's all Dan Campbell. Uh, Dan Campbell's uh, ego. Dan Campbell's lack of uh, knowing the moment, emotions. Uh, that's what was disappointing to me was blowing that lead. And uh, I heard you say earlier that you were fine with those. Two. Oh man, in that situation, you kick it. Six points would have won you the game. 
And I, you got it. And here's the problem, though: you miss a field goal, your team gets down. Uh, or you you go miss the fourth down, your team gets down. Right? You kick the field goal, make it, your team's up. Mm-hmm. So you have to worry about that. As well. analytics doesn't talk about that side of it. You're right about the analytics. Totally. The the first one I'm completely in favor of because when you when you go for it, you call a good play and it all works. And the guy drops the ball. Well, that's yeah. I, I'm kind of like, hey, you, you know, well, the team did it. Part, part the, of part of what makes it a good play or not is if it's converted. No, right? that's true. That's How many true. times have you been like, don't do it, and then they do it, and you're like, greatest play ever. <laughs> right. I kind of look at that as if. If I'm a play caller or a decision maker, I can't assume he's going to drop the no, ball. No, no. Now, the th- the second one, I could have gone either way on it. I it's, do go by the theory, this is who we've been all year, and it's gotten us yeah, here, and we've been yeah. successful at yeah. it. It's just like those uh, NBA teams that shoot threes constantly, and then they get to the playoffs, and they go, well, we shot threes all year. Why isn't it working? Oh, darn. Well, I would say – got to put yourself in the moment – of a game and be prepared to change your output. You can't just be the same team in the playoffs. I would go into the game shooting the threes, but if I realize I've got James Harden and all he does is choke in the playoffs, then at some point I would say, James, stop that's, shooting. That's the argument, right? <laughs> you got to you got to see the uh, you got to you got to see the flow. Uh, yeah, well, that, what are your early Super Bowl yeah. thoughts? Uh, man, jeez, uh, right? How do you go against the Chiefs? Yeah. And Vegas did. How about the Chiefs yeah. getting points? Well, that's because Vegas is there to make money. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't tell you anything. Niners have been unimpressive in this playoff run so far. Yeah. Uh, period, end of story. And the Chiefs have not been. Can they keep it going? And uh, look, you know, you can go back to pedigreed 49ers team. Oh, they've been here before. Well, this team hasn't been here. Yeah. Uh, very few of the people that were on that team, was it four or five years ago, right. are on the team now. Well, the Chiefs are just here every year. And if the Chiefs have shown anything, they have a pedigree and they're going to grow. I think – that's the thing. I think all of us have known from the beginning the Chiefs are the best team in football when they catch the ball. The catch is they weren't catching the ball for yeah. much of yeah. this season. But I was shocked. I thought the defense – Grant, I have a lot of issues with the Ravens. <laughs> but I thought the Chiefs' defense Look, played fantastic. Ra- Ravens lost that game yesterday. Chiefs didn't win it. Ra- Zay Flowers, uh, penalty, right? Yep. And then fumbling at the end zone. And then getting back down there uh, and, uh, you know, throwing the interception. Ravens lost that game. The Chiefs did not For me, win it was the game. rushing attempts. 14 rushing but, attempts but for I, a team that I, good at rushing. I get that, but at the same time, the, if they would have scored two touchdowns, they had that game won. It was 17 to 7 at halftime. 17 to 7 uh, at the end of the game, but for the most part, right? Uh, and the Ravens needed to score two touchdowns, and they are the reason they didn't convert into touchdowns. It's strictly the Ravens. The Chiefs did nothing. Other, you know, you could say he knocked the ball out, but that's Zay Flowers trying to reach, right? Uh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. Excuse me. There's- no, to me, it's the Ravens uh, had that game in hand, and they just couldn't convert. They just they choked. That's the bottom line. I I love that Zay Flowers is the goat. Now I'm always against the the the, the trolls going after you and, and ripping you as a family and yeah. stuff, you know, junk like that. But whenever somebody stands above, does the dance, celebrates, and you're the fumbler, well, you're the re- I I love that. The other issue is is uh, I was shocked. So the Ravens have always had an arrogance about them from back right? from Ray Lewis and all that stuff and at the very beginning of that game I think it was Romo said that the Ravens have taken exception to the fact that Patrick Mahomes gets hit and they throw the flags on it or they don't people don't hit him while he's running the ball they said it early in the game and that's where that arrogance comes in Travis Kelsey I can't stand the man at all Uh, (laughs) this is before the Taylor Swift stuff but he does that he go to them into making mistakes and being and making those mistakes you got they they went right the Chiefs went after him and that aggressiveness and they took 
took advantage of it. You got to give Kansas City Absolutely. credit for that, but then you also got to chastise the Ravens for allowing that to happen. Totally agree. And I, I think that's something that has to be addressed by the head coach. The problem is I think the head coach embraces it. Yeah. Because no, he loves the aggressive. Thing. John Harbaugh looks at you. You were the second most penalized team in football, and at no time did you decide we've got to stop that. And now, and I brought up the stat in this game, it was five to nothing. Chiefs getting first downs by penalty yeah. and Chiefs giving up first downs by penalty was five to nothing. Yeah. And those were, all of them were enormous in the game. Not as big as Zay Flowers, of course, but they were enormous moments in the game with some really yeah. stupid penalties. You know, and I'm a Ravens fan, so I got to be careful how I say this because then people are going to jump all over me. But God dang it, Chiefs fans that complain about how they don't get any calls i've been saying it for weeks shut up you get all the calls it's freaking ridiculous so Travis kelsey stands up and mocks guys and taunts them to their face just nothing yeah nothing at all a ravens guy stares at you funny and gives you a small headbutt it's football and oh and what's with the ref sound like he's gonna cry the whole game what, that was that? that was entertaining what, what's up with that with uh with, with a bad voice yeah I, but but did you actually have a problem with the refs in the game like i didn't no, have no. a problem no, it, no, I blame the Ravens for falling yes. for Kent. You yes. know going into that game that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go to you on that. And you also know refs probably aren't going to throw the flags on the Chiefs for that stuff. It's, is it should it be flagged? No. But it's the NFL and it gets flagged, right? Yes, that's the argument that's here. exactly. And the, the Ravens know that going into the game and they still fell for it and it still cost them. The, that's what cost them the game. Yeah. Of, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, end of story. How is uh, Al's getting ready for the main event today? Any, any crazy uh, stories? Are you, no, are you ready yeah. For I mean, I'm, you know, I'm going to be critical of stuff, uh, of course, like I always am. So like the Coyotes, man, thank God they got eight days off because woo-wee, they suck. Uh, if you don't know what uh, Steve's referring to, they had a three-game road trip, and if you the accumulative st- score fifteen to six. Yeah, not, but the coach is proud of them. Yeah, not even competitive, and uh, that's the biggest part. I'm not going to touch too much on it today because I, I mean, what else is he going to say? Yeah, uh, but it's you do not say you're proud of your team when that effort comes out. Agreed. No, it's Joe. It's a joke. Agreed. Yeah. Have a good show. See ya. It's time for. Number one, before I dive into versus Vegas, congratulations to CEO Chris, Jeff Weir Production, Izzy, Steve McCollum was working hard all weekend while I was goofing off as uh, show number one, reasonably off without a hitch. There were a couple things that were a little screwy, but what we did is we hit it well. And you may not have known, but good job, guys. This is a huge undertaking in 72 hours to flip stations, flip studios, move buildings. Not quite across town, but it felt like it from uh, a little bit uh, north Phoenix up to 17 to Park Central Hardcore just up from downtown. So great job today. It was it was really cool to uh, to be able to, to kick things off in our new home here on Park Central. And thanks to all of you for watching us today here on WTSF-TV because who knows, we're going to find out things that need to be done for a month. So we appreciate you staying with us because we wouldn't have this awesome opportunity to be in this new building, to be in this new space, and to create this opportunity for you as a viewer, if not for your continued support. So thanks for being a part of the journey. All right, versus Vegas today. Um, 
Not very often do I talk trash to Vegas, but I, I thought they did a poor job with the conference championship games. I, I didn't think these picks were really all that hard. Uh, I had Chiefs plus the four at Baltimore. Now, granted, I didn't have the courage to take the Chiefs on the money line, so there is that. But I took the Chiefs plus the four because I kind of felt like no matter what happens, these are two really good teams. It's going to be close. Chiefs win by seven. And then I thought the 49ers would win, but I thought that spread was too much at seven and a half. I think it was discredit to the Lions. But let me steal the line that Steve McCollum just said that I think it's it's pretty appropriate. Vegas has a combination of what do we think is going to happen and what do we think people are going to bet on. And obviously, 49er fans are drunk with enthusiasm of how good they think their team is. And I think that seven and a half line was there, or it might have been for the Lions fans to go crazy and bet like crazy on the Lions. If, hey, we could do that. with I don't know. I just looked at that and thought the Lions are better than Vegas thinks they are. So I took the Lions plus the seven and a half, and the Lions lost, but they only lost by three. So I go 2-0 and on the weekend. And... Uh, I, I think it's okay to say the heater is back because I'm now seven and two in the in the last nine games. So that's pretty nice after hitting a little bit of a bad stretch after my 18-2-1 heater. So I'm starting to feel good. Starting to feel good on versus Vegas. Um, 10.94, and 9 is the overall record. For the month of January, we're now up 17 and a half units, and it might be up over 20 because I uh, Mikey has not added in the last two wins. So hopefully doing really well. I'll give you the final numbers for January coming up later on this week. Today I got three games for you, and I admit I'm not nearly as confident in these three games, but I want to follow my formula that I normally do. I love taking a team that's fighting against a back-to-back and that kind of energy. Now, this is why I wouldn't necessarily trust me. I'm taking the T-Wolves plus the two and a half. Oklahoma City's coming off of a back-to-back, but they're coming off of a bad loss that I'm sure that they're going to be motivated to fix and they're at home. But the T-Wolves, I I get two and a half points. I like that. So I'll take the Wolves up against Oklahoma City. Memphis played in Indiana, and they so it's not a bad flight back to Memphis. However, Sacramento's good. I think the spread's a bit much, being eight points, but I'm going to run with it. I'll take Sacramento as the road favorite, trying to cover eight points. And then in college basketball, um, Duke is good. But I don't think they're great. I think Virginia Tech is okay, but I think they're good at home. And I'm getting three and a half points with Virginia Tech uh, at Duke or home against Duke. So I like that. I would never lay only three and a half for for, uh, for Duke if it was a road. But when it's when it's a home game for Virginia Tech, I really like Tech plus the points. I don't have the courage to take them on the money line and you get really good juice. I think it's plus 150 if you take um, Virginia Tech on the money line. I'm not there. You're going to give me the points for the home dog. I'm going to take them. 
So I got Minnesota and the Hokies as home dogs. Or, or excuse me, just Virginia Tech is the home dog. Minnesota's on the road, but I got two underdogs, but I'm taking the points. And then I got the Sacramento Kings to cover. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Don't forget two free plugs. Please come out as an Unplugged Army sanctioned event February 23rd. I will be at Civlik for both breakfast and dinner. If you can't play golf, love to see you out there at either one of those two times. I'll be there at about 1030, and then I won't be leaving until about 630 or 7, so please come out for happy hour or dinner. And if you can golf, I'll let you know as soon as Unplugged at Whirlwind.com goes live for you to be able to uh, schedule your tee time or at least give a hint to Sweet Lou at what time works the best. And if you've got a threesome of guys to join you and have a foursome, please reach out to them and tell them about the fact that you're playing because it's a $200 course and Sweet Lou always gives us a great rate. And then coming up this Saturday, I'll be at Burrito Express. I'll be there at noon, but it's an all-day celebration for Burrito Express's new location on Kyrene in extremely South Tempe. Hopefully see you there. So Saturday at noon for me at Burrito Express. Friday the 23rd coming up at uh, Civlik and Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Any issues with your heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical? Please call Parker and Son, 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, the R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Of course... If you are hungry today and you're not going for a breakfast burrito, I can't suggest to you enough going to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, the original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Bell's Nashville Kitchen is located in Scottsdale in Old Town. They're on Main Street, just a hair east of Scottsdale Road. And when I say a hair east, Main Street only goes one more block east of Scottsdale Road. So as soon as you turn eastbound on Main Street, Bell's Nashville Kitchen is going to be right there on your left. The best sandwich in all of Arizona is the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. That's Yes, that's my opinion, but it was also voted on multiple times by different magazines. That's how they earned that. And my new favorite meal there is the Spicy Chicken Tender Iceberg Wedge. Perfect balance of the blue cheese, the spiciness, the chicken tender. Get the mother clucker if you're wondering what level of spice. I think that's fantastic. Do me a favor. Dominate your Monday. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.